Welcome to the English Hub, a place where we discuss literature in the light of a driving question, what makes a meaningful life? Welcome to episode two of our discussion on The Great Gatsby. Um, last episode, we talked about the basically the overview of history and the literary context. Um, where is this book written? Because no book is written in a vacuum. Mm. Today, we want to talk about chapters one through three, which would correspond, if you have a, a sense of how stories are written, is the exposition mm. of a story. Which is sort of setting the stage. Mm-hmm. And um, and it's interesting that Fitzgerald takes three chapters. Yes. It's only nine chapters, yeah. this book. It's a whole third. Yeah, yeah, but he takes three of them to really mm-hmm. set the stage mm-hmm. well. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I find interesting right at the beginning of chapter one is that we find out through our narrator, Nick, which you're going to talk about in a moment, um, that actually the events of the novel cover Mm. a time before Mm -hmm. he's writing so he's writing Mm -hmm. retrospectively um when it seems as if he's in quite a a state of Mm -hmm. trauma he says he wanted life to stand at moral Mm -hmm. attention Mm -hmm. um because of what he's come out with Mm -hmm. and that immediately makes us think okay so what have you come out with we we call this a frame narrative when a novel or a story sorry is framed by another story and this is actually a really common narration technique but one thing you want to ask every time you face a narrator you want to ask is this narrator reliable Mm or unreliable and I actually find myself every time I read this novel I sometimes think he's unreliable (laughs) Nick sometimes I think he's reliable and I think you have to decide where you stand and I think it changes how you understand the novel but that's an important element when you're looking at narration this is a frame narrative and you have to at least initially be potentially skeptical about the truth of what he's sharing absolutely and everything we learn about the different characters are seen through his eyes Mm -hmm. he starts off by saying he's inclined to reserve or judgment and then he goes on and judges everybody yeah Yeah. it's very interesting interesting. yes So in the, in the exposition of any story, you're going to get the introduction of a couple of key things. You're going to get an introduction, uh, an exposition, the exposing of setting, character, or characters, and what is normal life for those characters in that setting. Mm-hmm. And so chapters one through three, we, we, we hit on a lot of settings. We talked about them last episode very briefly. You've got um, West Egg and East Egg. You've got the Valley of Ashes. You've got Gatsby's own mansion yep. you've got nick's little house which is overlooked yes i, I love the fact that yep. it's overlooked yep. <laughs> you've got the apartment in new york yeah and i think that's all the settings well it? and then the fact that nick comes from the midwest oh yes is, yep. so he's come from somewhere to the big city yes. to try and make yep. it big which is yep. what everybody was trying to do at the time we also have the introduction of all our characters. And I mentioned yeah. last episode that it's going to be really important that you recognize how they're introduced. So either how they're described, either by the narrator or by other characters, um, what kinds of, um, the way they talk, the way they dress, the way that they relate to each other. These are all clues on how we actually interpret and understand these characters. Yeah, and notice the vocabulary that is used for the different characters. Mm-hmm. Like when when um, Nick is talking about Tom or Fitzgerald is talking about Tom through Nick, what words uh, dis- describe Tom? Mm. Lots of words to do with 
um, powerful mm-hmm. and arrogant. The verbs that are really strong. Really mm-hmm. strong, yeah. Mm-hmm. And you get a sense of that in terms of both his personality and the way that he mm-hmm. treats other mm-hmm. people. How does he describe Daisy? Mm-hmm. How is Jordan different to Daisy and yet mm-hmm. has some similarities? Mm-hmm. What about Myrtle mm-hmm. and her husband, mm-hmm. Wilson, in um, who we meet in chapter mm-hmm. two? And even Gatsby, it's just very interesting to notice how he's described. We hear about Gatsby at mm. the end of chapter one where Nick sees him mm-hmm. reaching out for this green light that is is rich in symbolism at the end of his dock but we don't actually meet him until mm-hmm. like halfway mm-hmm. through chapter mm-hmm. three when we're in his party and we still don't know who mm-hmm. he is mm-hmm. but we've heard a lot about him mm-hmm. by that stage. Mm-hmm. So maybe perhaps we can start with chapter one. What are some yeah. key things we want to notice uh, about chapter one and the introduction of who Nick is, Tom and Daisy, their friend Jordan, and then how Gatsby fits into this. Mm. So Nick, um, he seems to uh, be, he's just an interesting character. I often think of him being like a sort of a bit insipid or like a weak Mm. cup of tea. He's not Mm. a strong character and he seems to be pushed around by whoever he's with. He's very easily manipulated by people and used for their... Um, their purposes he seems to like Gatsby Mm -hmm. now this is written after the events of the story and he he speaks very highly of Gatsby Um, even though throughout the novel you're not quite sure whether he actually likes Gatsby Mm -hmm. or not and because we're, you're, he's not sure whether he likes him. Mm-hmm. We're not sure whether mm-hmm. we like him yes. or not. <laughs> yeah. But it is interesting that he does title it The Great Gatsby. Yes. So that it does speak, well, could either way. It could speak of his admiration or it could speak of his, his um, recognition of the shallowness of Gatsby's life because yeah. is he actually as great as Absolutely. he seems. And one of the things I know I wrote in my book was, is the title ironic? Mm-hmm. Was he great? I like what Baz Luhrmann did in his adaptation right at the end mm-hmm. of Nick writing his story. Um, he adds the word mm-hmm. great mm-hmm. to Gatsby. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. so it's just and speaking of the, the film version, this is a very interesting contrast and comparison, point of comparison. It's interesting that um, when the film is done, we see that very clearly this frame within a frame and we, we understand what's going on to produce this story mm-hmm. of Gatsby or the great Gatsby. Um, we have a sense here that Nick has had trauma and he's turned to drink, which fits the time Absolutely. of the prohibition. And his his psychologist or his psychiatrist, I don't know what kind of doctor he is, but he basically says, write it down, um, which is actually kind of a relic for that time. Mm-hmm. would have been a very new way to deal with trauma. Um, but he is. He's encouraged to write the story down. And as a result, we get The Great Gatsby, the novel yeah. that you are reading. And that's an interesting way to frame it. Yes, absolutely. I think it's very reasonable yeah. like, in the text. But it's an interesting. It's a creative license that's that's based within what we re- what we actually read in the story. Yeah. In, it's interesting in chapter two of um, the of the the story um the book um we the the group ends up at a party mm-hmm. in new york and nick talks about how he says this is the second time i was drunk in my life mm. and um and he describes himself as being within and without mm. and uh, it's almost as if he's part of this mm-hmm. action that's going mm-hmm. on but he's also outside of it observing mm-hmm. it and telling us about mm-hmm. it and we've got this sort of tension that mm-hmm. he feels inside mm-hmm. of himself mm-hmm. Um, on the note of um, sh- uh, settings, it, it's interesting when they describe, um, when we first meet Daisy and Jordan, notice when you meet Jordan, the first thing you think you meet is her hand on oh, the side of the yes. couch. Yeah. There's that fragmentation, right? She's 
in some ways she's being viewed as an object, which sort of fits. She's a woman golfer. Yeah. Um, so there's kind of a sense of which she's idolized for being athletic by the men and, you know, is kind of considered to be somewhat beautiful. Yeah. But she's angular versus daisies around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But there's a, for Frag, she's treated as an object, mm. which is very typical of, of this time. But when we meet Daisy and, and uh, Jordan, I always was caught, and I like how the film version does it. There's so much movement and flurry happening in the text and the way that the verbs move in the text. But then Tom comes in and he just shuts everything yeah. down. And in the movie, they literally shut the 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 the, the, curtain, the, and the windows and the curtains yeah. to stop. And and yeah. that, that's very much you want to notice the movement of verbs because in chapter two, when we get to the New York apartment with. Uh, Myrtle, Myrtle yeah. and, and that whole scene that's going to happen. Again, notice the way that the, the verbs move and the way that things fit into other things. And the if you can notice how language itself is a tool for Fitzgerald, you can start recognizing some of the themes that yes. Fitzgerald is trying to, to talk about, you know, in chapter one, that movement Movement in and of itself isn't the goal. We don't want to just be able to do whatever we want. We need to be moving with purpose and and... It's interesting that Tom is the one, this big hulking character who shuts everything down. Yeah. And even in the story, he is the one who shuts everything down because mm-hmm. he reworks the system to use other characters against Gatsby because of his own jealousy, right? Yeah. And in chapter two, you want to notice how the furniture fits within the room. And that speaks of this 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 theme of materialism and can materialism actually make you feel good can and you that, actually grow we certainly see that in chapter two when you have the apartment in new york <laughs> and the the room is so crammed yeah, nothing fits stuff. in that apartment yeah and then they get this dog this poor dog that's you know traumatized yeah. i don't know who looks yeah. after it when they're not there <laughs> but um I, the other thing that i was thinking about when you were talking is you know just the different characters and how they they move mm-hmm. so like Tom and Daisy yeah. when things get too difficult they just move yes. somewhere else yeah. they keep moving between yeah. New York East Egg West Egg, um, but also what they wear is important. Oh yes, and, and there's a symbolism of color. Absolutely, mm-hmm. identity is really important in this novel, and we're always asking this question: Who is Gatsby? We see that mm-hmm. at his party, mm-hmm. everybody has a different take on who he is, but there is a sense where where we referred to in talking about modernism that people didn't know their Mm-mm. identity so they tried to yes. create it mm-hmm. and i love it in chapter the chapter two where we meet myrtle mm. in the valley of ashes yes. with her husband and when and i think she changes two or three times yeah. through that yeah. chapter because she's putting on yes identities an identity yeah. and it's this yeah. whole idea of masks what yes. mask will we wear is so key and we see it with Myrtle so clearly. Mm-hmm. It's actually really interesting. Every single time I come through this story, I always find myself going, how did Tom and Myrtle really get yeah. together? <laughs> because when you read the description of the Valley of Ashes and you read about Mr. Wilson, he's I kind know. of a, yeah. I don't know, bonehead. He's yeah. kind of just, you know, and, and if Myrtle is this beautiful thing, you, you, you kind of wonder, like... She's very voluptuous. Yes, she, and I think it. they cast her really well. Yeah. And they w- make her wear lots of bright colors. But it's very interesting when you think about that dynamic, how Tom and Myrtle... And, and clearly, we do know that there is some 
real affection between Tom and Myrtle. Yeah. He's bothered by the events that will happen later. Yeah. So there's something there, and that's interesting when you think about Tom being this hulking character with Daisy, right? But clearly she's not the first. No. You know, wherever he's been, he's had affairs. That's I think right. we learn in Chapter 1 that he or at some point we mm-hmm. learn that when Daisy was giving birth to yeah, she, child, he wasn't there. <laughs> he wasn't there. Yes. And, and Daisy is very much aware of this, and that's why, you know, the symbolism of the mm. telephone, mm-hmm. I think Fitzgerald calls it the fifth guest's yes. shrill voice. Yes. And this is Myrtle. This is Myrtle calling, mm-hmm. interrupting mm-hmm. the family mm-hmm. dinner time. Mm-hmm. And this is his mistress. Mm-hmm. Daisy knows that. Everybody mm-hmm. knows that, mm-hmm. apart from Nick, who mm-hmm. is just <laughs> telling learned, us about yeah, it. That's right. Yeah. And I think this is a really good way of commenting very implicit. It's not explicit, but this idea that the technology interrupts mm. the values of real human relationships. It opens up opportunities, like yes. people can move yeah. from one place to mm-hmm. the other. Um, but it also um, has mm-hmm. its mm-hmm. limitations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. So chapter two, um, we have the oh. introduction of the Valley of the Ashes, which we briefly talked yeah. about, Such and Myrtle and Wilson. Yeah. Anything you want to highlight about that Valley of Ashes, chapter um, two? I think, like for me, whenever I read it, like it's worth reading slowly. Oh, yes. Noticing the colours. Like I think mm-hmm. um, when I read it, I, I underlined mm-hmm. all the different colours. There's grey and mm-hmm. brown and... And overlooking it all, you have these eyes, mm. the eyes of Dr. T.J. Eckelberg, mm-hmm. who basically was an optometrist who's mm-hmm. gone out of business, mm-hmm. but they represent so much more. Mm-hmm. And they're um, blue and gigantic, yes. and they have yellow glasses. Like it's, If you think about all the color, gray cars, uh, ash gray men, leaden spades, impenetrable cloud, like these are very like dark and dreary um, colors, spasm of bleak dust, right? Then you've got these eyes of Dr. T. Jekyll. Sorry, TJ Eckelberg are blue and gigantic. But no face. There's yeah. no face. That's so right. it's like this just Seen, but not. Yeah. yeah. And, the, and then a pair of enormous yellow spectacles over a non-existent nose. Yeah. So it's very interesting how we got this contrast here. Yeah. And I, I think, you know, this could represent so many different things. Mm-hmm. Often it can be the fact that, you know, maybe there's this notion of God still mm-hmm. being mm-hmm. there, looking and judging, but mm-hmm. having no face. Like there's no, no personality connection. or personal. He, it's like he's gone out of business. Yes. God has gone yeah. out of business. And I think that's actually the... the state of we talked about last episode about how the loss of faith and because of this, how pessimistic mm-hmm. everything is just in chaos and and that is the nature when when you, it's very easy in the midst of you know ash the valley of ashes yeah. to look up and say well i can't see god's face therefore god has gone out of business Absolutely. and it's a very real very uh, kind of a very clear symbol of that very real thing and ashes represent death you Mm. know ashes to ashes dust to dust and it's this whole this is the the death part of all the growth and the progress Mm -hmm. there's got to be some sort of Mm -hmm. fallout Mm -hmm. um and so we see well we we meet myrtle and wilson Mm -hmm. in this sort of desperately Mm -hmm. difficult place and then huge contrast is this crazy apartment yeah in new york where basically everybody just goes to get drunk don't they yeah yeah, yeah, and party with each other. And, yeah. And in the movie, they do a good job because they introduce drugs. I can't remember if that's actually talked about in the actual text, but it, it fits. Yes, um, yeah, and I don't know if it is, but um, but it's certainly there's a lot going on. Yeah. Um, so we have this party uh, in, in Myrtle's apartment, and we meet all these weird characters. Yeah. Very typical of the 1920s of affluence. We've right. got this photographer... We've got um, this Mr. and Mrs. McKee, who are neighbors from downstairs. 
Um, I love the description. Mr. McKee was a pale, feminine man, and then his wife was shrill, languid, handsome, and horrible. So stereotypical. Yeah, so yeah. F- very, very funny. Yeah. Um, and then they kind of have this big thing. Yep. Yeah, this party. party where they get really, really drunk. And then at the end of it, like, um, there's a lot going on between the classes there, but the, at the end of it, Myrtle is goading Tom, mm, isn't yeah. she, by... She keeps saying Daisy, Daisy, Daisy. And Tom hates it, probably because it makes him feel... Guilty. Guilty for what he's doing. And um, he asks her to stop. She says... She doesn't. She keeps going. And so he I'll say it whenever I want. And he breaks her nose. Like... Like, you almost miss it, don't you? Yeah, it's just one one of those things. And it's... um, Almost in past tense, making a short deaf movement, Tom Buchanan broke her nose with his open hand. And then there are bloody towels everywhere. We don't even talk about the actual moment. Yeah. Um, I love this scene in the film because the film speeds up. It gets faster and faster and faster and faster and faster. And then all of a sudden, Tom hits Myrtle and everything slows right Mm. down. Even the music itself slows right down to emphasize the point that this was a breaking, literally a breaking point here. Absolutely. But... It's funny because and even in the film in here, they kind of just, she cries a little bit and then the, the party continues. Yeah. <laughs> like there's not even like a recognition that something really awful has happened. This is really happened. serious. Yeah. yeah. This passage just before um, she's goading him, clearly everybody's drunk and it, it says um, people disappeared, mm-hmm. reappeared, made plans to go somewhere and then lost each other. This is all in the party. Search for each other, found each other a few feet <laughs> away. Like they're so drunk. Yeah. yeah. But it almost encapsulates mm-hmm. this the blindness. Yes. Everybody's blind, drunk, mm-hmm. not in their right mind. And there's no connection. They keep losing each other, mm-hmm. finding each other, not realising mm-hmm. that they're doing it. Mm-hmm. I think some of Fitzgerald's descriptions so encapsulate mm-hmm. the 1920s mm-hmm. and what mm-hmm. was going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. And that brings us to the end of chapter two, where we have this really odd kind of montage of images here. And it's important to note that in the context of the 1920s in this modern society where people don't know who they are, we have this really strange interaction between um, Nick and Mr. McKee, this effeminate man, um, and this weird thing about Nick staying beside his bed, and we don't really know what's happened. Yeah. And there could be lots of ways to interpret this, but I think it speaks to the fact, um, I mean, we don't know, is Nick gay we don't know and and maybe he doesn't even know and that fits into this whole theme of this sense of loss of identity and not knowing who you are and maybe you find it maybe you don't you know just like previously people disappear reappear make plans to go somewhere then they lost each other yeah. and, and then he wakes up lying half asleep in the cold lower level of the Pens- pennsylvania station staring at the morning tribune and waiting for the four o'clock train and then the chapter ends <laughs> it's very interesting and we're um, left feeling yeah. like what has just happened. Yeah, you know, which is very I... typical of modernist poetry where we like, what am I reading? And Absolutely. so if you feel a little disoriented, I think that is the point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which brings us to chapter three. So in chapter three, we're introduced to Gatsby's house a mm. long time before we actually meet mm-hmm. him. And it's at one of his famous parties, which people aren't invited yes. to. They just they just come to Show I up. think it describes them as being like moths Moth to a lamp yes. to a lamp mm-hmm. his um his house like the descriptions of his house mm-hmm. and his lawn at some point Fitzgerald describes it as being like a um a masterpiece mm-hmm. like a painting yeah. and i think that's really really important because there is this sense of um gatsby has created mm-hmm. something mm-hmm. 
for a purpose mm-hmm. and we see that mm-hmm. when owl eyes this strange mm-hmm. drunken man in the library mm-hmm. is is looking at the books to see if they're real and yeah. he can't believe that they're real and they are real except that they, the pages haven't been cut meaning they They've haven't been, been read, read. Yeah. <laughs> so they're not actually use, being used for their purpose anyways yeah. i think in chapter one i noticed as well that gatsby's house is described as being a replica of a yes. French, yeah, a yeah, French yeah. House. yeah. There is definitely a sense that um, Gatsby has this idea of what it means to be successful, wealthy, and have the woman he loves, and he and he basically builds his life to that kind of imaginary standard. And we will discover, as he will, that that's not actually the way you are successful. I mean, we know that like intellectually, but he in practice tries it and it does not work. Yeah. And he's like the, going back to that idea of mass, like he's, mm-hmm. he's created this persona mm-hmm. for himself. Mm-hmm. And we, we see lots of people saying he's, you know, he's related mm-hmm. to so-and-so mm-hmm. and he killed him. Lots of rumors. And lots and lots of rumors. Mm-hmm. And it, it leads us into this question, who is mm-hmm. great? Who is Gatsby? And I think we ask that all the mm-hmm. way through mm-hmm. because he's a creation. Mm-hmm. He's his own creation. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wonder, I wonder if he he gets to the point where he believes his own yes. creation. Yeah. Um, but it's all just a facade. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and in this party, there's lots of you want to take your time when you're reading what's going on in the parties because the way that Fitzgerald phrases things mm. indicates some of the things he's trying to communicate. Uh, for instance, the idea of false relationships or relationships that are shallow because you can't be intimate with one another. We've got these descriptions that says the bar is in full swing and floating around the cocktails permeate the garden outside until the air is alive with chatter and laughter and casual innuendo and introductions forgotten on the spot and enthusiastic meetings between women who never knew each other's names yeah and they call each other mr mumbles yeah don't they later on mr yeah. mumbles yeah. introduced yeah. yeah and there's all of this there's constantly a, ref- a reference to people not knowing who the other person mm. is but they but they they pretend there's chatter laughter casual innuendo in in a time where in the modern world you would not make any innuendos mm. with people you did not know you didn't yeah. even know their first names well and usually they're there with some Somebody else's husband or wife they're not yeah, there with them that's own right and so there's wife, this yeah. all of this um fragmentation and um disintegration and isolation of yeah. people and relationships and who they are and jordan i think at some point during this chapter she talks about how she loves large parties yes because they're, they're so, so intimate, intimate. <laughs> it's a hilarious like, thing i wonder how much of it is that you like when you don't know somebody mm-hmm. you can sort of be intimate yes. you're never going to see them again that's so right it doesn't yeah. matter yeah. you know yeah yeah because you're not building a good solid relationship which mm-hmm. takes time and work mm-hmm. we have all kinds of um references to the colors oh yes. um and and the and the party itself um there's a there's a winding up of the party yeah and things get louder and louder and more and more chaotic mm. you notice the way that uh Fitzgerald uses verbs you want to notice the length of the sentences either they're long or they're really short mm. all of this is building to the the kind of the chaos that this party is going to produce what, what I like about what Baz Luhrmann has done in the film in this particular around Gatsby's party is that we don't know who Gatsby is mm. Nick hasn't met him and he ends up talking to this yes. man and he's and he's sharing some of the rumors that he said like nick mm-hmm. does come across as being a bit of an idiot and um, <laughs> or naive and so, maybe or naive yeah, yeah. <laughs> much more um, polite <laughs> um and then gatsby turns around and says oh i've not been a good host let uh, me introduce yeah. myself and then you have all these fireworks and yeah. the music has reached a crescendo and yeah. it's great the way that Lerman yeah. does that it is a really yeah. well done film yeah yeah, yeah. 
All right, and then we we do have this scene with owl eyes, and owl eyes should cause you to think back, I think, to Dr. T.J. Eckelberg. Yeah, and and the, the description yeah. of the eyes and the glasses, and there should be some um, recognition that this is an idea that he's repeating with the eyes. You've got these eyes and these big glasses. Owl eyes himself is called that, right? And and, and he, like, somebody that has got owl eyes yeah. should be wise, and yeah. they should be able to see... But he's he so drunk, no. he can't see, no. and he doesn't understand. And we see that at mm-hmm. the end. Sorry mm-hmm. if I'm jumping ahead no. to where you were going. But at the end, when there's this like yes. hysterical car accident, and the reason there's a car accident is because the wheel has come off the car. Yeah. And Owl Eyes is trying to look at it. He's not the driver, <laughs> but he's trying to figure out what's wrong with it. Mm-hmm. And the wheel has fallen off. And they can't see. They're and totally blind. See. Yeah. yeah. Which is similar to that line from chapter two about how looking around, reappearing, disappearing, and then finding each other a few mm. feet away. They're just so blind. Yeah. We also have some information about Jordan and um, sort of this connection basically tells us the purpose of Jordan and how Jordan's going to connect. We don't know this yet, but we will look back and go, oh, there's the connection between Nick, Daisy, Jordan and Gatsby. Mm. And there's this interaction here where Jordan's called to talk to Gatsby and then she comes back Mm. and meets again with uh, Nick. Mm. And then we have the car accident scene. And the, where the, the wheels come off. And this, like, we have to notice that this is a foreshadow. Yes. You know, this is our first car accident. Mm-hmm. There's lots of references mm-hmm. to driving. In in this time, people wouldn't have taken their driver's test. And, yeah, you know, right. And so people, their driving was bad mm-hmm. anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, we learn in this one, like, that Jordan is untruthful. Mm-hmm. And that's a... a a common thing that grows through mm-hmm. her as a character. So you, there is a sense that you kind of, I kind of want to like her, but I also don't trust her. No, and there's and a sense there like, she's she's angular even in her character. Yes, there's a yeah. hardness yes. about her, yeah. isn't there? With mm-hmm. the way she looks and the mm-hmm. way that she behaves. And mm-hmm. actually, Nick, like he he finds her attractive and he starts a relationship with her, but he has that reservation, yes. and yeah. I think that's why we do mm-hmm. because we're yeah. seeing it through his eyes. Yes, yeah, and that brings us. Basically, to the end of the chapter, we have this interesting line by Nick. He says, <laughs> everyone suspects himself of at least one of the cardinal virtues, and this is mine. I'm one of the few honest people that I have ever known. Yeah. Which is, and this line is what causes me to really be skeptical of the, the integrity of yeah. Nick's narration. Yeah. I don't trust him. So there's kind of a lens, and this is the end of the exposition. We're now, in chapter four, going to be introduced to our big conflict yeah. of the story. And I and it's all told through Nick's eyes, and I don't trust him. Yeah. And, and I, I think you shouldn't. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and even when you get to the end, it makes sense. If this is a frame narrative about something really traumatic that's happened, maybe he doesn't even trust himself. Yes. You know, and that's yeah. why he goes to, well, in the movie, he goes to drink. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And so as we finish the exposition, I do think, like, I'm looking at my own copy of the text, and I've almost written as much as Fitzgerald. <laughs> like, you have to read this text with Slowly. a pen in your hand. Yeah. yeah, and every time I read it, I add more to it, mm-hmm. um, because there's so much in here, mm-hmm. and I'm hoping that as you've read through chapters one to three, you have a lot of good mm-hmm. annotations, reader's notes, mm-hmm. that will help you um, when you come mm-hmm. back to it later mm-hmm. on. Um, so as you jump into chapters four through six, this is um, the part of the story with rising action. So you'll want to notice where are we going? Where does the story seem to be taking us? What details do we get added to our characters? What more information do we get about um, what is the conflict? Um, we've got something about 
Gatsby. What is he after? You want to start asking those questions. You keep want to asking. You want to keep asking who is Gatsby? Um, what is he? What is he aiming? And then what's the relationship between Nick, Daisy, Jordan, and Gatsby? Mm. As you look at those chapters, right? Well, thanks for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode on chapters one through three. Get ready for the next um, installment where we'll be discussing chapter four, five, and six of the novel. We're looking forward to it. Hope you are too. Happy reading.